Today on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery is Ronnie the Savior for the Braves and their woes. We'll preview Hawks and Cavaliers coming up later this evening. And, well, I'm glad to see Nick Saban is generous with everybody else's money. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into episode 11 of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. We thank you so much for being a part of the show here today. We want you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. So we uh, tell you to go to YouTube, put in the browser box up there, Locked On Sports Atlanta. You'll find it very easily. Hit that subscribe button. Take a look and uh, look around at all the different shows that we've got going on right now. Give us a review, like us, tell us what you think about the show. And don't forget, you can check us out uh, on my Twitter page at JMCH316. Don't forget about Locked On Sports ATL as well on Twitter. So we ask you to be a part of our growing community and just want to thank you for so many of you jumping on board uh, and being a part uh, of all of this. So a lot to get into here with you today. And uh, we're going to start first with the Atlanta Braves, who got blown out again last night. First game out in San Diego on this West Coast road trip. Charlie Morton just got pounded in the first couple of innings. Did kind of come back and hold things down. But 12-1 to 1 last night, the Braves lose, and they're now 3-5 and five on the season. And it's been a, you know, kind of a woeful start for the Atlanta Braves, considering that they've played the Cincinnati Reds, the Washington Nationals, and now they're playing a good team in San Diego Padres. Look at some of the numbers that the Braves are at right now. Let me let me just run through some of these numbers for you. So they have scored the fifth most runs in Major League Baseball. But remember, they scored 16 runs in one game. So in their other seven games that they have played, they have averaged 2.71 runs per game. They've struck out the third most times in Major League Baseball. They've left the fourth most men on base in baseball. They're below the league average in batting average. They're below the league average in slugging percentage. Their pitching staff has given up the second second most hits of any staff. They've given up the most runs as a pitching staff. They have the third worst ERA. And then, oh, yeah, we don't want to forget defensively how bad this team has been for considering it's been a hallmark of the Braves last few years. They have the fifth worst defensive defensive efficiency rating in baseball. They have the second highest amount of errors committed by a team in baseball. And they have the seventh worst fueling percentage in Major League Baseball. All of that adds up to it has not been a very good run. Now, obviously, the big piece that the Braves are missing right now is Ronald Acuna Jr. And everybody is kind of rubbing their hands and you know, saying seances and having prayer meetings and all kinds of stuff about how soon that he's going to come back. Does Ronnie coming back solve everything for the Atlanta Braves? No, it really doesn't. Um, you know, collectively, they've not pitched well. They've not hit well. They've not fielded well. You saw last night, they're out, their outfield defense is a disaster right now. And there's not really much of another way to describe it. Ozuna can't get to any balls. You saw Rosario muff a fly ball last night. And Duvall's been okay in center, but Ronnie coming back and having to play center a whole bunch and wearing out his legs or, you know, trying to spot fill in center when Duvall needs a night off. Yeah, defensively, they'll be better in their outfield once Ronnie gets out there. But that doesn't solve all of your woes out there. And they've been abysmal. As far as the offense goes, 
you know, Olsen's done such a good job at the top of the order getting on base that they've had plenty of opportunity. Again, I just told you, they have the fourth most men left on base in baseball this year. So we know where Ronnie's going to hit. He's going to hit in the leadoff spot. He's not going to move into a run-producing role and things like that. And you figure, okay, Ozzy is going to stay down in a more run-producing role. Fine. Okay, that's where he hits most of the time anyway. The only reason that he hits at the top of the order for right now is when there's a lefty on the mound and they don't want to hit Rosario at the top of the order. Now, let's talk about Rosario for just a minute. How bad has he been out there? It does make you sort of wonder, right, that they caught lightning in a bottle with some of those guys. Rosario's off to a disastrous start at bat and in the field. Have you seen Jorge Soler's numbers, by the way? He's hitting a buck 58 with nine strikeouts and 19 at bats. So almost half of his at bats result in no contact. He has no homers, no RBI, and a buck 58 average. So it's not like he's done anything or built off of what he, you know, all that good. It is amazing to think about how they caught lightning in a bottle with all of these guys last year, with Peterson, with Rosario, with Soler, guys who were just basically kicking the can down the road, and they came here, and everything just magically worked itself out. Now, there's no doubt that getting Ronnie back is going to change some of the dynamic. There'll be a little bit better outfield uh, defense out there, but their infield defense hasn't looked great at times this year either. Um, They'll certainly be better at the top of the order, But again, they need help in driving in runs right now. They don't hit a lot of home runs, and they don't produce a lot of runs. Outside that 16-run game, as we said, you're under three runs per game. This offense shouldn't be that way. I mean, I understand the pitching having some time to come along. Guys aren't stretched out. Guys didn't get a lot of work in the spring. I understand all of that. And you saw Charlie Morton go from he was magnificent in game one to last night was just, ugh, you know. And I tell you what, I give here's where I give Morton a lot of credit last night is that he fought and scratch clock. It would have been very easy after five runs in the first two innings for Morton to just kind of collapse and have to go to the bullpen and start wearing those guys out. Well, and especially just starting this road trip and you got 14 total games at the start of the season would have been very easy. But Morton fought, scratched, clawed, and he didn't give up another run in the next three innings. So he found a way to get them five innings last night. That's important. I mean, that may pay dividends not so much last night, but certainly tonight, tomorrow, you know, in the next series. Those are the kinds of things that will start to pay dividends because we're still over a week away before the Braves are going to get their first day off during the regular season. So you got 14 straight games to start with. As bad as it was for Morton those first couple of innings, he needed to get himself on track, and he helped out his bullpen by finding a way to get five innings. So I thought that that was a, I don't know if clutch is the right word, but certainly it was a it was a bulldog effort, if we want to use a, a local term here, right? It was a bulldogish type of effort out of all of it. But let's see what happens when Ronnie comes back, because right now there aren't a lot of good things that the Braves do. I don't, what's the best thing that the Braves do right now? I mean, defensively, they're messed up. Pitching-wise, they're messed up. Offensive-wise, they're messed up as far as not, you know, scoring enough runs and things like that. Now, let me say, too, that I'm not concerned about the Braves, okay? I'm not I'm not panicking about the Braves, but didn't we all expect a little bit better? This is the reigning World Series champions, right? I mean, I, I did see that last fall, right? And they do have arguably one of the best teams. I mean, pitching staff-wise. 
how many teams have three high quality starters the way that the Braves were at the top of their order? They they would rotation. They would love teams would love to have those kinds of guys. How many teams have the depth of the batting order that the Braves have? And they can mix up lefty righty with you. You want Olsen from the left. You want Rosario from the left. You want Ozuna and Riley from the right. You want Ozzy switch hitting. You know, they've got all kinds of pieces and parts that they can match out there, but nothing has really come together. And it's just frustrating because you just figured that although last year it was scratch claw fight and eventually that switch just kind of turned on and things started getting better. And really, truly, last year was if you if you really look at the numbers, okay, when Freddie Freeman really started hitting well, that's when the Braves started winning out there. So let's see if adding Ronald Acuna Jr. in that lineup certainly you know is going to help. But does that start to fix the ails? Does it make the defense better? Does it make their pitching staff better? Does it make you know their offense better and things like that? And, you know, he'll come back in and he'll have to slow work himself in. That's going to be the other thing, too, is that it's not like the first day that he comes back, he's going to be out in center field and play nine innings and everything's going to be ready to go and this and the other. I, I would assume that they're going to try to work him in, probably, you know, play him a little bit of DH, work him in the outfield some. I mean, just kind of get him back acclimated because he hasn't had any kind of real spring training. He hasn't had any time to really ramp up or get himself ready. And it's not just a quick switch that you just – flip on and everything is good to go out of all of it. So it's been a frustrating start, no doubt about it. And when you look at the numbers, offense, pitching, defense, how bad that they are in all phases of the game, you figure there's nowhere to go but up, right? And 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 with that, they're three and five. Now, again, we're talking about the Nationals and the Reds where the bulk of their games have come from. The Nationals were 32 games below 500 last year, and even though the Reds were a few games above 500, they lost Castellanos and some of the guys that really made their offense click and all that. So Castellanos is certainly the best player from, from last year. And you're relying on, you know, 75-year-old Joey Votto to be a part of all these, you know, solutions there. So it's frustrating. I'm not panicking. We got a long way to go. But I certainly think that we thought this would be much better. And let's hope that Ronnie is that injection that can get this offense, defense, pitching, whatever, that he can be that guy that injects life into this team that's been struggling as of right now. All right, when uh, we get back, uh, we're going to preview Cavs and Hawks coming up as uh, play-in game number two for the Atlanta Hawks. Can they get themselves into a series against the Heat? Hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back with you on Hitting Hard with John Trevor here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Reminding you, please head over to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta. Check us out there. Check out all the different shows that we've got going on. Give us a review. Give us a like. Tell us some of your comments about what's going on with us. Follow me on Twitter at JMCH316. Well, tonight, Hawks and Cavs get added. Game two of this play-in tournament, uh, if you will, to get ready for whoever's going to take on the Miami Heat coming up on Easter Sunday. And, look, coming off such a dominating performance by the Atlanta Hawks where they blew out the Charlotte Hornets the other night, now they go on the road to take on the Cavaliers. Now, this season, the Hawks were 3-1 and one against the Cavaliers. And one of the things I thought was interesting was the fact that in all three victories for the Atlanta Hawks, they scored more than 120 points against the Cavs. The one loss that they had was in Cleveland, and that was literally the second game of the year. So that's, I mean, that seems like it's, you know, two years ago at this point, right? The second game of the season. So they really handled the Cleveland Cavaliers the rest of the way. And offensively, they really took it to Cleveland. Now, Allen is expected to sort of be back for Cleveland. 
Um, they're saying it's 50-50 that he comes back or this, that, and the other. I don't really know. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know him coming back, how much of a difference that really makes for the Cavaliers because they're just not sure how you know healthy his finger is. We expect John Collins to not be back. I think that's a pretty fair assumption. I have not seen if Lou Williams is expected to be back, but let's say that they're without you know those two guys. Look, I feel very confident tonight in what the Atlanta Hawks can do, and really more than anything, if they can maintain that defensive intensity that they had against Charlotte, and say what you will, but I mean, without Allen, the Cavs are a little bit of a different team, and they're you know they've got a lot of bodies that they can throw at you, but. I just don't know that the Cavaliers right now, when they're in sort of a funk right now, you look, they were three and seven in their last 10 regular season games. Obviously, they lost on the road to Brooklyn. That's why they're in this position, you know, right now. Hawks are feeling very confident about themselves as we get ready for this game tonight. I just think all signs point toward Atlanta. I did think it was interesting. The Cavs are a two point favorite. Tonight. So if you like betting and all that sort of thing out there, mm, I, I think the Hawks are going to win straight up. I And you can call me a homer or whatever like that. That's fine. I don't care. I mean, you can you can use all of that. But right now, the Hawks are playing much, much better than what the Cleveland Cavaliers are. And I don't think Allen coming back is going to have enough of an impact to change this thing around. But if you look at the series this year with the Cavs and the Hawks, the Hawks offense was always clicking when they when they were winning against the Cavs, they were scoring plenty of points. And so 120 points or more in each of the three wins that they had. One of those was in Cleveland, by the way. So they were two and zero against the Cavs on their home floor at the State Farm Arena. But they did win the other matchup that they played up in Cleveland. So they lost game two of the season, literally the second game of the season they lost. But a lot of things have changed, you know, since that point. So. I'm just looking for that intensity on defense that the Hawks were magnificent defensively. When you think about what they did to Charlotte, who really had scored, I think, uh, I think they had scored over, uh, I want to say like 115 points a game against the Hawks in their uh, couple of victories uh, with them. But Hawks were magnificent on defense. And, you know, two things I'm looking for. One is tonight. Trey's got to get off early. They they have to get off early. One of the things that happened the other night with the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers game and the Brooklyn Nets game was as Cleveland tried to get themselves back in, and they got themselves down, and they were trying to get themselves back in. And at one point, they were 15, 16 points down in that game. But as they tried to get back, Irving would come up and hit some big shots, and he would be you know, a guy that would just throw that dagger into Cleveland. I need Trey to be that tonight. I need I need a much better performance than, you know, one for nine in the first half like Trey had the other night. Could probably get away with that against Charlotte. Probably going to be a little bit harder on the road to get away with that with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, don't know enough to tell you about. I know in the old days about the Cavaliers and their home court advantage, but wouldn't say that that's one of the most raucous places that uh, you have to worry about. It should be a good crowd. I mean, there's a lot of excitement about the Cavs up there. There's a lot of people that are excited about the idea of the Cavs being back in the playoffs and everything like that. I just think the way that the Hawks are playing right now, and if they can replicate that defensive intensity, which that's been the question all year is that we've waited for those kinds of moments where they got good ball movement, they've had defensive intensity, and everything just kind of came together. Now, if you can mix in Trey Young shooting well, now this really makes us a, a dangerous team. And I just think the Cavs are in for a tough time tonight. They've been on the skids uh, of late, and I fully expect that the Hawks will go up there and beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then they get themselves ready for you literally have to turn around on Sunday on Easter Sunday and play the Miami Heat. And when you heard some of the comments from the Hawks after the game, 
from Trey Young talking about this had an NCAA tournament feel that it was like, you know, he was saying that this was his second or third um, one and done elimination game going back to his days at, at Oklahoma. You just kind of get the sense in hearing from the Hawks that they know now is the time to turn this thing on. And from an experience standpoint, I don't think there's any question about the fact that the Hawks obviously have a huge edge in the experience factor. I've said all year long, I think the Cavs have played really well, and I think they've overachieved. Remember, they've won 22 more games. They've literally doubled their win total from year over year. That doesn't happen very often in the NBA where you double your win total in one season like that. But the Cavs have had a magnificent season. But they're in a position where they're not ready to win these kinds of games just yet. Could they? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's a it's a one-and-done scenario in the NBA. Anything can happen. And if the Hawks you know, lose their focus defensively or they have bad shooting nights all the way around, yeah, they could very much – you know, have a, a night where the Hawks just, you know, take it on the chin and the Cavaliers move on. But if you can get that three-point shooting the way that they had it going on early, where they were five for nine in the first quarter, and that's without Trey Young doing anything, and then they were 50%, I think they were 50%, I think, from the field, or sorry, from three-point line in the first half of that game, they can replicate that and they can get their perimeter game going. That sort of negates what some of the bigs for for the Cavaliers want to do. And it's going to be another night where you're going to have to get Clint Capella, both get him involved offensively, because that seems to turn him on defensively and rebounding and things like that. And he's, you know, he's not going to have as much help if, if they do get Allen back and they've got some of their bigs and love and everybody. You know, you're going to need to give Capella some help. You're going to have to get Hunter to be not just efficiently on, not efficient, uh, not just efficient, excuse me, on defense, but you're going to have to help out with the rebounding uh, as well. And that was a big advantage for the Hawks the other night against Charlotte was how how well that they out-rebounded um, the Hornets out of it. So I do think that the Cavaliers are, are, you know, just in a position where they're not used to being here. And I know Love has been a championship player for them, obviously, when LeBron and, and Irving and those guys were there, he was part of that championship team. But this just doesn't feel like it's the time for the Cleveland Cavaliers to figure out how, a way to win this game. And I think the Hawks experience, and again, if they can keep that defensive intensity up, and Nate McMillan talked about that. We we uh, we heard from Nate McMillan. Uh, he was on one of our radio shows on the station and just talking about the defensive intensity that they were able to maintain throughout that game. That's going to be the key moving forward for the Hawks is it can't be, I guess in a seven game series, you can have a night where you don't have the defensive intensity, but more often than not, you're going to have to keep that focus. and You're going to have to keep that grind going. Let's see if the Hawks have them in it. So I take the Hawks tonight. I think they cover that, that two point spread. I think they win the game outright. And I think you see Trey young have a real bounce back game because he knew he did not play well the other night. And that's bad news. If you're a Cleveland Cavaliers player out of all of it. All right, when we get back, um, I'm glad to see that Nick Saban is being generous with everybody's money. Glad to see he wants for equality for everybody around the world of college football. We'll talk about that next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back with you here on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast network. And we thank you so much for being a part of the show. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Once you do, uh, check us out there and review us. Tell us what you think about the, the show. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at JMCH316. Well, listen, I am glad that Nick Saban is all about equality. Speaking here recently, Nick Saban was proposing the idea at his school that 
there should be a equal guaranteed set amount of NIL money for every one of his players. Quote, we give everybody the same medical care, academic support, food service, same scholarship. So if we're going to do this, then everybody's going to benefit equally. I'm not going to create a caste system for our team. So let me see if I understand this right. First off, he wants this also too, not just for the University of Alabama. He would like to see this go across the board nationwide is everybody gets the same thing equally. So all the money is distributed equally. So Bryce Young doesn't get way more than the punter or anybody else. Everybody shares in the same thing equally. Okay. First of all, there is a term for that. It's called communism, but that's separate side, uh, side note and all that kind of stuff. But I'm so glad that Nick Saban is all about fairness and equality when it comes to money. So here's what I'm assuming. I'm assuming that Nick Saban is only going to make from now on the same as the coach for Coastal Carolina, right? Or, or he's going to make the same salary per year that the head coach of the Ohio Bobcats makes. So he's going to forego his tens of millions of dollars that he gets an annual salary so that everything can be equal, right? I mean, if that's what we're talking about is fairness and equality and all these buzzwords and stuff like that, then why does Nick Saban make so much more? Why do they negotiate contracts for these coaches that say, hey, if this guy gets ahead of me, you have to bring me up to his level? Why do we have all of that stuff? You think Nick Saban is going to say, you know what? From now on, I'm taking millions of dollars less, and I want to be paid the same amount as Coastal Carolina's coach. I want to be paid the same amount as Iowa Tech's coach. I want to be paid the same amount as Hoboken University's coach. I'm willing to take my lesser share so that we can have a fair and equitable system. Now, you think that's going to happen? Of course not. We, we, we know that. We're not stupid enough to believe all that. Now, the other part of his uh, statement that he said, too, was the fact that, well, you know, everybody gets medical care and all this and they get all the same. OK, that might be true at your university, but that has not been true across the board. It has not been true that all students across all campuses get the same meal plan or that all students across all campuses get the same scholarship deals. You know, scholarships for years have been thrown up in the air. It's a one-year renewable contract, and they gray shirt. By the way, Saban does this too. Gray shirt you, offer you a scholarship, pull away. You think he's going to change all of that stuff? You, you think it, he's going to change his ways about how he's operated this late in the game, this far, and being this successful? Of course he's not. But we have to have fairness and equality. It sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds good to get on and harumph, 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 harumph. We're going to have fairness and equality. Everybody's making the same. Okay, then you make the same, coach. You go take a pay cut and you put every other coach. By the way, um, ADs don't make all the same amount of money. They all do the same job, right? Right. They, they, they all do the same exact job. The, the, the job at Alabama is in a different job description than it is at Coastal Carolina or at Ohio University. It's all the same job description. Right. You think that they make more money at Ohio U or at Coastal Carolina than who is it now more at uh, at the Alabama makes? Of course not. Of course not. AD salaries are just are different. What about the team? What about presidents of the university? You think they make all the same money? It's all the same job description, right? 
Is the president of the University at Ohio University a different job than it is in Alabama? Of course not. So it sounds good to just say fairness and equality and all this kind of stuff. The problem is for these coaches now is the players for the first time ever are getting power. For the first time ever, they are having power and influence on how their future is going to go. So it's no more of just you come on campus. You It's the Bobby Petrino approach, right? Bobby Petrino tried the same things with the Falcons that he was doing at Louisville. You come in, it is that and the other. Well, it's not getting to be that way anymore. And while coaches like Nick Saban can get away with some of that stuff because of their success, players now are deciding that, hey, if this isn't a good fit and a good situation for me, I'm going to move on. I'm going to go somewhere else. And I don't care. Georgia just had two more five-star offensive linemen. For the national championship program, they just had two more five-star offensive linemen say, I'm going in the transfer portal. Now, understand that as long as all the kids know that when they do this and they go into it, nothing is guaranteed to them, right? As long as they understand what the unintended consequences could be of leaving the school, transfer portal, NIA, as long as they understand all of that, then this idea is ridiculous. You think Nick Saban, by the way, treats Bryce Young the same way that he treats a special teams player? You think that he does it any differently? Remember when Sebastian Janikowski got in trouble for all the crazy stuff he was doing? Remember that down in Florida State? And, and remember how it was he ran some stairs? And Bob was like, well, you know, gosh darn shucks. You know, well, you know, we got, you know, just got to do it. We just, you know, kind of treat guys the way we treat. Never been equitable on, on a college campus. It's never been that way. So why should NIL be any differently? If Bryce Young is worth millions of dollars and that's what he brings in the program, then he should benefit for it. Then he should benefit for it more than a special teams player. And that's not knocking the special teams player. You have the same opportunity to go get you money. We're seeing it all over colleges, right? We're seeing gymnasts, divers, swimmers, field hockey, golfers. You're seeing, I mean, you're seeing different kids in different sports capitalizing because of social media, because of this, because of that. You know, look, pretty girls on college campuses are, are getting an opportunity to make some money off it. It's okay. Everybody has the same opportunity. And that, to me, is what's most important. It's not about capping the rewards that anybody gets. It's that as long as everybody has the same opportunity, then in a capitalistic society that I could have sworn last time I checked we were in, then why should everybody have to just end up with the same result? Why is it that Bryce Young isn't allowed to make more money than the punter for Alabama? It's ridiculous because Nick Saban's not going to take less money to coach Alabama. Debo Sweeney's not going to take less money to coach Clemson University. Ryan Day's not going to take less money. You know, Jim Harbaugh took a pay cut a couple of years ago, got himself in the playoff, and what's the first thing his agent did? Well, you know, he may end up in the NFL. He, he may go somewhere in the league because they're coming after him. Huh. And what did that result in? All a bunch of that money that he had, you know, taken a pay cut on from Michigan, they gave it right back to him. Is that fair and equitable? Is that a fair system as well? Come on.
It's ridiculous. Nick Saban knows better too, by the way. Don't think that Nick Saban doesn't know exactly what kind of game he's playing and all this kind of stuff. There, He's got a bigger motive and agenda. I'm telling you, some of these older coaches like Saban may be out of the game in the next few years because they're realizing that in some ways they don't have the power hand anymore to control the future and the destiny of these kids and keep everybody on campus and just build, 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 build. They have to shuttle, transfer portal, all this kind of stuff now, and it's a whole new world, and now the kids actually have some power. All right, we thank you for being part of Hitting Hard today with John Chuckery. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go on YouTube. Check out the Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hit the subscribe button. Review us. Tell us what you think about the show. You can follow the uh, programming uh, on Twitter at Locked on Sports ATL, and you can follow me on Twitter at JMCH316. Thanks so much for being with us for another week on Locked on Sports Atlanta. We'll be back with you on Monday.